Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Welcome to the special edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this December 8th, 2020. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Well, I, I want to thank one of our listeners here because, uh, well, two things. I want to thank one of our listeners, and then I want to say I got a, a little bit inspired to jump in and have a conversation with you guys midweek in the midst of these virtual winter meetings, which, I mean, let's take a pause here. I mean, how uninspiring are the Zoom winter meetings? And um, But there is some stuff to debate, and this is going to be a really short uh, hit here. And I want to thank uh, our listener over on Twitter, Frank, uh, and I hope I pronounced your name correctly, last name, Petiani, because you said, hey, you know, did you ever think about doing in between show to show some shorter hits? And we've done that like when Strowman opted out and things like that. But they also tend to sometimes because of the news be a little bit uh, lengthier. And that's just what this podcast has always been, this program, this show, whatever you like to call it. Since the day it was invented, it was always invented out of radio, and it was always invented in a way where we try to give you the most thorough take on every topic, even you know the most minute topic, because you know that's what I feel are my obligation. And why would you subscribe and listen to somebody who has no affiliation with any big company if you didn't get high level of quality, or was what I thought would be a high level of quality? So anyway, I want to thank you, Frank. So you inspired this and. Really what inspired uh, to come and pop in is the debate that happened on Sunday when, and you could first say, is it news? Is it fiction? I think there's very little to the Mets and Zach Wheeler 
having a reunion. I'm going to say this is one of the rare times I'm going to give you a program that we're probably dealing in a lot of fantasy and a very unlikely event this happens. But let's play in fantasy because I have a feeling the market's going to develop slow over the winter and you know we're going to be sitting around twiddling our thumbs at some point and you have to have some fun baseball talk and content when it's 25 degrees outside because that's why we do hot stove baseball and that's why we have this kind of podcast weekly even when it's not the regular season. But so the news comes out, Buster Olney, Phillies right now are in a financial crunch. That's no secret. They may be looking to trade Zach Wheeler because he's making a lot of money. He signed a five-year, $118 million deal uh, almost a year ago, right around this time. And and now it looks like maybe they're regretting not so much the player, but the contract. And he'll be on the market. Now, John Middleton, he of tobacco money, came out and denied all of this, vehemently denied this. Now, I, I have a hard time believing if in your Stratomatic or your Fantasy League I offered you Babe Ruth for Zach Wheeler, you'd turn it down. But apparently John Middleton, he would. So I don't. this is a guy, John Middleton, that uh, I think put his foot in his mouth when he became an owner, said they were going to spend stupid money. I think they spent money. I don't know if they ever spent stupid money. Uh, and then... And and now has has to backtrack on a lot of this payroll stuff because, well, they bit off more than they can chew. Uh, I will say this, not to get back into the whole winning. We had an hour plus conversation on winning. Give them credit; they they went out and they tried to win with Real Muto, with Harper, with Wheeler. I don't know if Harper contract was the right way to go if I were the Phillies, and I think they're going to regret that in the long run. But that's not what this is all about. So. Zach Wheeler's out there right away once that news came out. Oh, because, you know, we all, we debated Zach Wheeler. Mets fans jump in. Is there a way for the Mets to get back in this? And not only do they think about getting back in this, and I was thinking of, well, do you get back in? Do you acquire a Wheeler versus Odorizzi, Tanaka, any of the free agent options out there to round out the rotation? And I, 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 this was, was thrown at me by multiple people. They're like, well, forget about Bauer. Go and just bring back Wheeler. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Because now you're giving me really something to talk about and to think about. And that's what really uh, was born between Frank giving me, hey, could you give some kind of content, small, quick hits in between? And I think that will become easier during the baseball season. Maybe on an off day, react to some you know, situations that are happening out there. But yes, uh, this, is, this is something to really discuss and talk about. Now... We've talked about Zach Wheeler ad nauseum on this show. So you have to start and go back quickly and say, well, why did I support? Why did the Mets walk away? And why was I okay with that? And then you got to look at the statistical component. And then you got to look at realism. And I think that Lance Lynn last night being traded to the White Sox provides you a huge dose of realism. Why, personally, I'll tease it, I don't think even if this was a desire for both teams to do, which I would question. I don't think it has any remote chance of being realistic or being a good business move from a baseball standpoint. Let's throw the money out because money's less of an issue now with the New York Mets. So first, remember, Zach Wheeler, injury history, took a couple of years to come back from Tommy John. Anybody from the day he was acquired talked about his mechanics. He has late arm action. Uh, a lot of strain on that arm. He had Tommy John at that point. Um, and the fact that it took him so long to come back from Tommy John, which is not uncommon, 
but shows that this was a complicated physical guy. From a physical standpoint, a complicated player. And those mechanics haven't, I mean, they've been cleaned up since he was acquired, but you they are who, you know, you are who you are. And I believe Zach Wheeler is a high injury risk, especially for five years. And he was a guy, if you go back to specifically 2019, he was huge down the stretch, had a great second half, and had big games against the Dodgers and pitched well against the times against the, you know, the Phillies and the Nats down the stretch. But Clearly, left-handers had a better uh, look at him than right-handers, if you look at the numbers. And I'm going back. You know, I'm, I'm taking the 2020 shortened season where he was good, albeit a shortened, a, a reduced strikeout rate. But he was good. You know, the Mets didn't really hit him all that great. But they were able to knock him out in the sixth inning, if you remember, on that Labor Day game and, and get to the Phillies' bullpen. The, the issue I always had with Wheeler is I felt he didn't pitch as well on the road against good offensive teams. Look at outings against the Yankees, against the Braves, uh, occasionally against the Nationals. And he didn't go deeper into games. He was starting to go deeper into games as he got deep, you know, later on in that season. He was a seven-inning guy. Uh, maybe that was a product of the Mets. But I, I felt he was a guy that between the injury risk, between the outings that he had against good offensive teams on the road, Yes, he profiled as a top of the rotation guy. And yes, if you look at his advanced metrics, he's a top 10 pitcher since he had that great second half in 2018. Top 10 pitcher in baseball. Better than Syndergaard. The guy that ultimately, when Brody was around and the Wilpons were around, I think that when they were talking about another extension with another player, Syndergaard might have been the guy they were looking more to keep, potentially. We don't know, because it doesn't sound like Syndergaard really liked <laughs> the Wilpons and the ownership GM tandem based on his reaction to Steve Cohen. So when he was given that contract, I said, I want to keep Zach Wheeler, but I was looking at him more in the Nathan Evaldi category. Can you get him for three years and 60? Probably had a better shot at doing that after 2018 when he had another year on his deal. They didn't want to sign him early. Don't blame him. You know, he had a half a season and he was coming off two years, basically, of injuries and a bad 2017 and a bad first half of 18. So you wanted to make a decision based on six months or actually three months you don't want to do that. That's not a good business decision. So I was okay with them going into 19. Maybe they could have struck with the iron is hot a little earlier in the season. Once you get to that contract year, out the door. Doesn't matter anymore. You have to look at, at that point, once the money got to 25, 30, you know, 118 for five years, more around at 25 million a year. Okay, Four years, $100 million, fine. I think as you get to the fifth year, I think that's where the issue became a, a bigger deal. Now you're throwing him into his mid-30s. He was still under Wilpon ownership. I understand that Cohen was already, there was things in the hopper that indicated Cohen was coming in. But you're also locking up. You had DeGrom at over $30 million. You're locking up Wheeler and potentially need to get Syndergaard. That's a lot of money. And having $25 million worth of dead money which is a very real possibility with the picture of Zach Wheeler's health risk and ilk, is a problem. Here we are, we're not talking about it, but the Robbie Cano contract, which everybody hates, which has a couple more years left, and you're getting your only money back this year. I mean, that's about $24 million or so, and everyone's complaining about it. Well, Wheeler would have been a similar problem at some point, because if he was not performing, or he was performing more towards Zach Wheeler 
who you see can be maybe more league average or slightly above, which is what you could get with Tanaka, which is what you could get with Odorizzi. I'm not sure I want to go five years, $118 million. I always felt Nathan Evaldi's contract, he, and he, you know, very similar guy who had a lot of talent, injury history, had some big moments in the postseason. Wheeler probably going into free agency had a better track record. Was very comparable. And once it went past that, Mets are out. And I was okay with that. And I talked more about, hey, now you got to focus on Stroman and Syndergaard and trying to figure out which one of those guys. And ultimately developing some pitchers and as well as saying what guys can you sign shorter term kind of like what they're doing now looking at again Tanaka Odorizzi guys like that I'm not giving just you names I'm giving you pictures of that ilk because you can't sign four and we knew this when there was Harvey DeGrom Syndergaard when the Mets got lucky between trades and development acquired three or four guys that had top of the rotation one two panache you knew you couldn't keep all of them unless you wanted to have, um, you know, thirty at this point thirty million dollars a year, one hundred twenty million dollars a year just in four starters. And you can't, you just can't do that. I mean, even if you had a two hundred million plus payroll, that's fifty percent of your payroll. Four players, you have to field the roster. Offensive players get paid too, and they get paid a lot. So you had to pick and choose. You picked great with the Grom, and then it was who's the next guy. And I, I wasn't sure if that's Wheeler. Now, we could debate that because Wheeler in his shortened season with Philadelphia was just as good. And it was, again, and I'll get to the numbers statistically, a top 10 pitcher in all of baseball. All of baseball. No doubt about it. Now, look at Wheeler statistically. Wheeler statistically, since 2018, top 10. Now, you just go to Fangraphs. I won't go into 52 different sites. Top 10 in wins above replacement. He's actually number 9. And then... In let's forget ERA. Let's look at the fielding independent pitching, taking the things that only they could control: the walks, the home runs, the strikeouts, taking all the other variables out. He's number eight in the league with a three point three four ERA. That's re- I mean that's great. That's really great. Now you're looking at do the Mets go out and acquire that? Well, Lance Lynn is a perfect example of somebody who's on the final year of his contract, makes a little bit less than Wheeler in the $21, $22 million range. And the White Sox just gave up their number seven prospect, who is Dane Dunning, have no idea anything about him, has some really good numbers and pitched pretty well in seven starts last year in the shortened season. And they gave up a secondary prospect here, Avery Weems, who who I did some research, is not showing up on any top 30, but has some good minor league numbers and, uh, you know, looks like he's a, uh, a lefty pitcher, 22 years old, uh, probably was at their uh, off-site uh, facility during the pandemic season. So they gave up two pitchers for Lance Lynn, who's on the last year of his contract. So start with the value that Wheeler is going to re- uh, require. Interdivision trade, do you think the Phillies want to just hand this new rich owner that came in? And this obnoxious fan base that makes trips down to Citizens Bank Ballpark when there is going to be fans and mucks up any game that the Mets and Phillies play and probably makes up about 20% of the fan base and is loud and give away this guy back for just a payroll dump. Now, maybe they're in that much financial trouble. I don't think so. I think Middleton didn't like the fact that it leaked. I think there's ego there. He does need to pair payroll. But he's not, in my opinion, going to come out and make those silly comments about Babe Ruth 
and then give away the player. He may trade the player. He's not going to give away the player. So what is what does that look like in terms of the Mets? Well, it's probably David Peterson, and that's debatable because how would scouts feel of David Peterson versus Dane Dunning? I could live with that. Okay, Peterson's got potential, but he's always, and I continue to talk to scouts that I trust, he always profiles as a back of the rotation, a very solid back of the rotation guy, but a back of the rotation guy. And another pitcher, is it as Puki? I don't know, even though prospect lists don't excite me. Prospect lists sometimes are made up by, obviously made up by writers, and I'm sure they speak to scouts, but the industry doesn't, and they, sh- I mean, I think some of them do, but you can't run your, your team based on Baseball America or blog prospect list. They mean nothing. You got to go by the player that you want and why you want them. And sometimes guys, because even now it's even worse because you have no, you had no minor league season. They're just basing everything on word of mouth and statistics. You have to know more about the player. You have to know about the makeup. You have to know about how he profiles and where is he going to fit long term. Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? Are these numbers going to be translatable? What happens as he gets up to next level? Next level? Next level? Big leagues? Whatever. So is it Thomas Zespuki and, and David Peterson? That's an expensive. And that's a real, I'm sorry, a very real ask from the Phillies for Zach Wheeler, who, okay, you could argue, is he as good as Bauer? He's right there. Trevor Bauer, same numbers, same advanced analytical numbers. Top 10 war since 2018. Bauer is number 6, 11.6. Wheeler's number 9, 10.8. Very small difference. And guess what? Bauer had a little bit of a jump because when Wheeler was coming back in 2017 into the early part of 2018, from Tommy John and was struggling to find himself, Bauer was pretty solid. Struggled too, but pretty solid. He struggled for many years too, Bauer. Same thing, FIP. Wheeler's slightly better. 3.34 to Bauer, 3.38. Both top 10. Wheeler, 8. Bauer, 10. Right there. And by the way, Patrick Corbin, who I've compared his six years, $140 million contract to what I believe Bauer can get, right there. You know, right, right there at that at that point in terms of all those numbers, and uh, and I really believe that's where the value is going to go. So, very similar here, very similar players. I know you could make the argument right now that, hey, this all lines up. But now I get to the actual: Do you want to give up the prospect collateral? Do you want to give up these two assets for a player that? You could probably, not probably, you could, you can sign the same player on the free agent market, albeit it's more expensive. If you take on Wheeler's contract right now, you're going in for about four ninety five. With Bauer, I really believe his market is six years, one hundred and forty to one hundred and fifty million dollars, and you all. Talk about he hasn't proven it. He's only had a couple of years. He, he, you're right. Because if you look at similar pitchers that got contracts in that type of situation, Zach Greinke, six years, 147. Patrick Corbin, I mentioned him, six years, 140. Strasburg, seven years, 175. Much better resume. Strasburg. Injury risk as well. Much better resume. Boris as an agent. John Lester, six years, 155. Better resume. Zach Wheeler, five years, 118. So you could even argue, if you're the Mets, that he deserves more of a Wheeler contract than those guys. But coming off a Cy Young season, shortened season, and a very good postseason start against a good offensive team, the Braves, 
And sometimes I probably give him a notch below in terms of my appetite to wax poetic about that postseason start because there was no fans in the stands. Big difference without fans in the stands in the postseason. Big difference in my opinion. So you can get a player for essentially money that is not as much of an issue with the current owner. You don't have a ton of prospect depth right now at the higher levels to fall back on. You're going to trade two and if you let's assume Zez Puki can make big league starts at some point in 2021, you're going to trade a member of your rotation for an upgrade because Wheeler is an upgrade over Peterson and depth for a guy that you had could have signed, decided not to. Not sure now. I know that Brody's gone and Guthridge is gone, and I don't know who else went into that decision. Omar, they're all gone. But look, they could have signed this guy. Rico was around at the end of 2018. Rico, they could have they could have talked to the owner and signed this guy. Sandy was around beginning of 2018 when he was struggling and he was on his way out. But you know, look, these conversations even back before he got hurt, you know, they they were trying. Sandy was trying to trade Zach Wheeler. He's trying to trade him for Jay Bruce. He, he did trade him for Carlos Gomez. So think about that. He traded this guy. Fulmer was the guy that they wound up trading, but they were forced into that. I think Wheeler was the guy. And I always said with Cespedes, I thought, because when Fulmer was winning Rookie of the Year and early on in his career before he got hurt with Detroit, I was like, ah, if only they had taken Zach Wheeler and the Cespedes deal instead of Fulmer. We could have Fulmer in the, in the mix. Now, obviously, that would have been a bad play. We, you know, Fulmer got hurt too. So as you get into this, doesn't make any sense to make this deal from the Mets' point of view. It makes no sense for the Phillies. Well, actually, if I'm the Phillies and I'm really rebuilding and the money's a big deal, I take the two prospect capitals. Who knows what else is out there? Who knows who else is going to offer something? I mean, the White Sox were looking for at Wheeler last year, if you remember. Now, with Lynn going over there, that's out. But they did that deal. Now, remember something. I'm comparing the Lynn deal with a potential Wheeler deal, Lynn has one year left on his contract. Wheeler has more. So when you acquire Wheeler, you're going to have this guy for four years if you want. Lance Lynn's gone after 2021. So he's a rental. He's a rental. And I'll check that one more time. Let me just check that to make sure I got my... No, yep, yeah, one more year, 2021. It's actually a very reasonable salary. $9.3 million. In this day and age, that's a steal. It's a guy that, you know, again, you look at what they gave up, the the Mets would have to have given up those kind of guys for Lance Lynn. And with only one year left on the deal, even though he's had two very good, and he's been as good as any pitcher in baseball the last couple of years, you can't go that route. So there is also a history in there. You can't go that route. You can't, you can't, I, I think with money, if you were the old Mets that couldn't afford free agents, then you got to go after that guy. But as you keep eating away, and you can see as you keep eating away at your prospect capital, you get to the point where you are now, like with the Mets, that you, you're now you're boxed in and you have to go the free agent route. And you have to overpay. And that's okay for this year and for the near term as they clean up what was the prior situation. But you can't do that forever. Now, the only part of this that we don't know is you know that Wheeler could pitch here. He's a good guy, low profile, no problems. He's tested here in New York. 
I'm sure he would welcome coming back here. I don't think he ever really wanted to leave. He was forced out. He, he actually offered the Mets a chance to match. That's how he gave the Mets every opportunity. He had to go and get the, mess, bet the most money for himself, but he gave the Mets every opportunity to match. And the Mets, it was all in the Mets, him walking away, which told me, hey, they, they've got reasons why they don't want to invest long range. This guy begged them to come back. We don't know how Trevor Bauer will translate. We know he's opinionated and he's a little goofy and he's got some opinions that are going to rankle the media, like things like about climate change and maybe, you know, union issues with the Players Association. And then they, he's going to say something and, and everybody's going to get all bent out of shape and then they're going to get mad and the fans are going to say, I can't root for him because, you know, he doesn't believe in all my philosophies. Like, as if that matters. Grow up. People have different opinions, and there actually is people with a different opinion than you that may have a point that may not, you know, sit well with you, and it may make you question yourself and may hurt your feelings, and you can't handle yourself for 24 hours. But get over it because they'll pitch a shutout tomorrow, and you'll be over it, I'm sure. This is about baseball and winning. But you've seen some of his, you know, throwing the ball into over into center field when he didn't have a good outing. You know, he's a guy that. As he comes here, as the expectations, which will be high under this owner in the city that's always high, with the Yankees across town, with Cole across town, he's going to be compared to Cole. They're going to try to stir up some kind of controversy with those two because that's what the media does. And there's going to be a lot of external things that I'm not saying he's going to go on the mound thinking about, but it will make his experience here different than it was in Cleveland, than it was in Cincinnati. And let's face it. Pandemic season, Cincinnati, no fans in the stands. Much different situation than what he's going to face, even without fans in the stands in New York. And then when fans do come back in the stands, even more. Subway series, what have you. We have no idea how he's going to do with any of that. So when you do the final analysis here, it doesn't make any sense to go out there and give away those prospects because you, you can't for Wheeler. And that's a, probably a cheaper prospect package than what the Phillies are going to ask for. It's going to get more expensive. Monetarily, it makes sense. And from a nostalgia standpoint, because he's a former Met that was traded in one of Sandy's first trades and came up through the organization, it makes sense. But for an extra 40 or $50 million, with a player that has achieved in a shorter span of time, maybe a little bit more if you start to act factor in the Cy Young, the postseason starts. Uh, it makes no sense. And it's it's something that I'm, I'm sure the Mets are going to make a call and see what these guys want because you have to do due diligence. But there's no indication that it could work out. And there's no indication that it's the right move from a baseball standpoint, um, from a standpoint of where the owner is now with money. It's just better to go out and sign a free agent. It's better to go. Do I like Wheeler better than Odorizzi and Tanaka? Yes, I do. Do I like him better than Bauer? Not sure. I can make the argument that he's the same as Bauer, and it would be a, a, a decent upgrade for the Mets without the extra years. And I'm assuming Bauer's going to fall into that 6-150. I could be wrong. Maybe somebody goes bananas and goes more Strasburg, Price, Scherzer money. I think that'd be insane. But you never know. I, I find it unlikely. But you never know in this league. This league, every time you think you figured this league out, somebody goes out and does something that changes the whole the whole game. So that's my take on Zach Wheeler. Nice idea. Probably not going to happen. Probably shouldn't happen. 
and it should not take precedence over Bauer. If you want to go out and sign Bauer and then they want to dump a $20 million plus pitcher on you uh, for very little prospect capital and you want to take the risk and solidify your rotation, could also impact the Grom contract extension. Remember, he may opt out. There's a lot, and probably Syndergaard goes out the door. A lot of things that you have to, you know, it's not just about tomorrow and next year. Wheeler is a four-year commitment. And the one thing, the strikeout rate did go down. He did pitch well against the National League East, so I have to throw away some of what I saw in 2019 where he pitched poorly on the road against NL East or good-hitting clubs because the Yankees are in there, the Braves, obviously, and the Phillies are in there. Um, but that strikeout rate jumped, dropped a lot. Now, that could be, and he has invo- he has evolved as a pitcher. Give Wheeler credit. If you look at any of his pitch FX data, he has evolved to use his pitches more efficiently. He's able to finish hitters. One of the biggest things is the guy couldn't go more than five innings early in his career because he couldn't finish anybody off. And he would go 3-2 on every hitter, and then they'd foul a couple of pitches off, and maybe he'd get him out, maybe he'd walk him. And by the fifth inning, he was at 100, 105 pitches. Away you go. So, Anyway, hope you enjoyed this short edition. Nothing is ever short here at the Talking Mets podcast. It's over 30 minutes, but hope you enjoyed this short, quick hit. I wanted to talk about Zach Wheeler. We'll be staying tuned. We'll be looking to see what happens at the winter meetings. Whatever you want. I mean, is it really the winter meetings? (laughs) Come on. We just sit back and wait for news in the morning when you wake up on MLB Trade Rumors or SNY.TV or whatever. So anyway, I want to thank everybody. Of course, you could check me out all the time on Twitter at MikeSilvaMedia, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me personally, MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back. I'm sure there'll be news very soon. Till then, take care, everybody.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.